comes the minister. Thank you, brother. Praise God. Good morning, church. Good to see all of you. It's good to be home. Uh, it's so special. I, you know, we don't want to get into the word for the time we have remaining, but I just can't get there before I, I just uh, express such a great uh, big thank you for all of you. And uh, you, you always make our brief time here in Glenwood Springs just so worthwhile. And we're so grateful for that. Of course, you have two of the finest pastors in all the world that have been planted right. I think you ought to give them a big round of applause for their good. <clears throat> they're, they're, uh, they're, more than, they're just more than special. And, you know, I, I don't know if the, the anointing of God can be compounded or not. I know it can be doubled. But I don't know if it can be compacted or compounded. But I believe I heard God speak to me a few months ago. Actually, it was in the early morning hours. That's usually when God and I are having our, some of our best conversations. And I felt like for Mark and for Tasha that there's this 2022, there's going to be, if it's not compounding, I don't know what to call it. If it's not a compacting or making stronger, I don't know what else to call it, of the anointing that you two carry. And so you don't need to hesitate with the word of utterance that God plants in you, either one of you. When God brings something to mind, don't hesitate to go ahead and declare that, uh, whether it's over the flock or over an individual. Uh, do it with the greatest confidence because God is doing something new as you declared it for the church. God is doing something fresh and something new in the both of you as well. It will also show up in praying for the sick and bringing forth the miraculous because your heart so hungers for that, not for notoriety's sake, but for their sakes. Amen. And so, so just anticipate that uh, this new year. I, I just, I know in my spirit that God is going to do, I can't wait to see it play out so you can tell me what all that means. But I'm looking forward to seeing that happen in the both of you this year. And church family, be real receptive to what's happening in them. You know, you have a part, I have a part always in kind of calling that forth, so to speak, or pulling on that anointing that anyone carries. And when it comes to your pastors, again, they are a gift to you. And, and, uh, and, and, and uh, so just pull on that and draw from that, anticipate that when he steps up, just like he did a few minutes ago, and he just begins to pray. God begins to give him things. Pull on that. Urge him, urge him forward in it. Go ahead and just, you know, don't be, don't, don't, don't just uh, think, when's he going to preach or when, when are we going to finish service? You know, just put a, put a draw on what he's doing in the moment or what Tasha is doing in the moment, and you're going to experience a greater manifestation of God in 2022, and wouldn't that be just glorious Amen. for the church to experience such a, a great, great uh, increase in the presence of God and experiencing really the presence of God for a, for a new year. Happy New Year. We believe with you it's going to be a grand, a grand year. Uh, you know, God had me speaking last year on a number of things. In fact, I came in, I turned the corner into 2022, and I was still in this sort of river or stream 
Uh, you know, I, I preached short series, not anything lengthy um, <clears throat> last year, except for maybe one series. And uh, it was like a series entitled, you know, uh, How to Do Hard. Everybody has hard. And hard is, is relative. You know, we had it before the pandemic. But it's, ma- it's been magnified the last 24 months. Uh, you can't make fun of people who are going. We all kind of whine too much. But be careful that you don't make fun of people when they declare something hard uh, that they're going through something hard. You know, try to find a, a more of a, a, a greater place of uh, consideration and, and empathy. Again, you know, 20 pounds might be nothing for you if you're, you know, if you go to the gym at all, you might be able to lift 10 times that in the gym. But somebody just coming out of rehab, 20 pounds might be all they can do. And it's as hard for them to do that as it might be for you to do your body weight in the gym. So we talked a little bit about how to do hard. And I just quickly say this, that God has grace for you. You know, uh, we tend to to undervalue grace. It's one of the reasons the Apostle Paul said to the church at Galatia. He said, just don't do that. Don't underestimate the power of grace. It's there to help you. And it's there to help us in our weakness. I would just define hard as when, you know, when the challenge is greater than your strength or ability to handle it. That's, That's my definition of hard. Uh, and so, but what, whatever your heart is, God gives you grace for it. The apostle Paul declared so much more than we've come to understand when he said, he heard from God, my grace is sufficient because when you're weak, then, then you're strong in my grace. We need to understand more and more of that. It's, it's for daily life. It's for every time you, you come face to face with hard, God gives greater grace for you to beat it. Amen. Amen. I taught a message called Feeling Loss, but not lost. Feeling loss, but not lost. At least in Albuquerque, our people there at Believer Center, many of them were, uh, were uh, uh, feeling it. And some of them lost loved ones to COVID. Others were just struggling in other areas of, of life. Some of them were, were truly, truly had lost their peace. And they were feeling the loss but God encouraged them that they weren't lost. God has an answer for whatever we're going through. Amen. Amen. And whatever loss we experience, God is a redeemer. He's going to come in and not just restore loss. Can I have a good amen there? But he's going to add to what was taken. He's going to give you more than you had to begin with. Just let him do it. Trust him to do it. Uh, But probably the, the message that really helped, i just say helped me the most. Uh, last year, uh, we called forces that form your future. Forces that form your future. Because, you know, I, I, I think we do tend to forget, Christians tend to forget as well, that, um, there's, that we're not helpless. We are never without God's help. Amen. Can I say it again? Because I'm not sure you heard that. We are never without God's help. There is not a moment in time. You may not access it. You may not, you know, acknowledge it. You may not go there in your thinking or in your believing. But Jesus is with you every moment of every day. You are never a moment without the help that God wants to give you. 
So if someone were to ask me, what did I feel last year in particular? I just felt at times, I felt a little uncertain, a little unsure, but never, never helpless. And it was during that time that God reminded me that he has put in place uh, heavenly forces, power, and he has also put in place divine principles. They are always available to us and they are fully capable of shaping our futures. We don't need to fall victim to what is just a, a well-accepted philosophy, que sera, sera. What will be, will be in the church, it's something different. It, it reads more like this, God is in control. What do you mean by that? Uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's this, Christianity has adopted something more like whatever happens is the will of God and the will of God is whatever happens. And that's nothing more than a human philosophy, I think, to distract you and actually defeat you at worst, to get you to be irresponsible with building the life that God has intended for you to enjoy and have. And I could just sense God penetrating the darkness of, of last year and the year before that in particular, okay? Just piercing the darkness and working to shatter the darkness in the lives and hearts of his people. Amen. To remind them that they aren't helpless. That there are things we can do in cooperation with the Holy Spirit that will again partner with God in, in shaping the life that God has for you. None of us can begin to comprehend the great, great, great life that God has dreamed for you since before you could dream. Since before the foundations of the world, God has a future for you. We're barely scratching the surface. Thank God we're learning more. Thank God we are experiencing more of the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. But it truly is more abundant than what we're experiencing. Amen. And so I came with just a reminder. I won't take the time that I would have taken. I took last year in teaching uh, Believer Center these principles. But, but I know you're well taught. I know you've heard these things. So these things from your own pastors or from other teachers uh, other ministers that, that you're exposing yourself to, that you're being exposed to. And uh, so these will just serve, I believe, as a timely reminder for, for you. They're not stale goods. I didn't just bring something canned for you. I do really believe that God put his finger on this one because, frankly, I have about 30 pages of notes with me. And this is the one that just rose to the surface as I prayed over it. So if, if nothing more, it should serve as a good reminder to you that God is at work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Amen. And there's a, a partnership that we share with him. There's things that God wants us to do by faith, cooperate with him by faith, be obedient by faith to some things. Perhaps God will speak to you today before you leave about something that needs to shift in one of these areas of your life. And, uh, and so uh, I just hope with everything that's within me today that somehow this will aid you. It'll pump you up some. It'll get you moving again forward if you're a little bit stagnant or you're staggering, uh, you know, coming into a new year. I believe this will set your feet on solid ground. And you can take confident steps into a great future that God has Amen. for you. Amen. 
Let me, let me start by just saying this, that in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, uh, Solomon wrote this. He said, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it, the heart, are the issues of life. Now, your heart is yours. Okay, your, and, and what do you mean, Pastor? Your heart is yours to manage. No one else can do it for you. No one else should do it for you. Amen? Amen. This, is, this is something, I'm not going to be very good with a handheld. You need to just pull this away from my face or something. Hello, hello. See, maybe if that. Okay, let's try again. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And the point there again is your heart is your heart. You're the one in charge of, of course, with God's help, God's guidance, God's leadership, God's power to manage it. But nobody can manage your heart for you. It's hard for people to talk about things like their thoughts. And I'm going to touch on that in just a minute. Because changing our thoughts changes our life. You wonder sometimes why it's hard to or why you feel resistant to change sometimes. It's because it really does change who you are. It changes what you're going to experience. It changes a lot of things when you begin to think differently. So uh, the heart is just precious to God, and he focuses his help on the heart. And uh, I just found something out new this past year. I've studied this verse, as I'm sure you probably have, for many, many years. But I just found out something really new this past year that helped me. And it's found in that phrase, all diligence. If you have it there in your Bible, there on your iPad, or it's on the screen, keep your heart, keep your heart with all diligence. And as I studied that this past year, I came to, to understand that the word uh, or the, the words all diligence come from one Hebrew word, mismar. And that word mismar actually means to put into protective custody. It means to put into protective custody. One example of that very quickly, Genesis chapter 40, the Bible is talking about how the chief baker and the chief, somebody help me, butler, was put into the same prison where Joseph was. Joseph had been thrown in prison because he wouldn't, he wouldn't mess around with Potiphar's wife. And so he had been put into prison, and while he was, he was actually put into a special prison, in effect, he was put, Joseph was put into protective custody by the king so no one would hurt him but the baker and the butler chief were also thrown into that same protective custody where Joseph ended up caring for them and serving them and everything went well and that's where this word mismar shows up and it's actually uh, referred to in that verse of scripture as being put in ward w-a-r-d being put in ward and so if you're thinking along with me, you, you know times where you've heard on the news or you've spoken to somebody where someone that they knew or someone who was related to them was put into protective custody, you know, for their own sake. Sometimes that happens in a prison setting. 
Uh, sometimes when a prisoner actually feels threatened after he's been put into prison, he, his life feels threatened. He can request to be put in ward or he can, be, he, can, he can request to be put into protective custody. All right. And here, Solomon is saying, you need to keep, you would think that's enough. Keep means to guard. But he, he went on to say, keep your heart, your heart with all diligence or put your heart in protective custody. Do you know that Satan wants custody of your heart? He wants custody of what you choose to do. He wants custody of what you think. He wants custody of your emotions. He wants custody of your heart. And why wouldn't he? Because out of the heart flow the issues of life. The word issues in the Hebrew language has to do with, you know, the Hebrew language is a picture language anyway. And it has to do with um, defining borders. In other words, when the word is used in the Hebrew, it, it, it's used to uh, define what defines borders or what defines limits. Did, can I say this to you? And then we'll move along. It's not what's coming at you that's shaping your life. It's not the issues coming at you that are shaping your life. Issues can make your life harder. They can make them more difficult. They, you know, they can do a lot of things. But it's not the issues coming at you that are shaping your life. It's what's coming out of you. If we're to believe our Bible, it's what's coming out of you that is shaping your life. In other words, when those issues become your issues, and those issues shape your life. Guard your heart with all diligence. Put your heart in protective custody, for out of it, your life is being defined. Amen. Limits are being set by what's coming out uh, of you. So let me just give you a few of those with the time remaining. Let me just give you, just mention some of these to you. I would urge Pastor Mark, if God would give him the freedom to come back and teach at length on each one of these. And there are more than these. I'm just going to mention four of them uh, for you this morning. The first is the force of a seed sown. The force of a seed sown. Galatians 7.10 says this, don't be under any illusion. You cannot make a fool of God. A man's harvest in life will depend entirely on what he sows. You say, Pastor, things happen to me that I, have, I haven't sown seed, that kind of seed, and certain things are happening to me. You're not reaping your own harvest in those circumstances. You're reaping someone else's. It's invading your life. You can't control what other people do. You can't control what you're going to do. Come on, are you hearing this? Pastor, that's hard. There's grace for that. Amen. Yeah, it's hard. You know why? Because you have to be personally responsible. You have to give up blaming everybody else and give up blaming everything else, including the government. You have to give all of that up. You have to walk away from that way of life and start dealing with what's in here, what's coming in, and then what's flowing out. Your life's about to change when you begin to talk about the blessing of God following you into 2022. Because at some point, you're not just going to talk about it. You're going to engage it. It's going to become real to you. 
You're going to anticipate it, expect it, and you'll be overcome by it. Let me go on reading. If he sows for his own lower nature, his harvest will be the decay and death of his own nature. But if he sows for the Spirit, he will reap the harvest of everlasting life by that Spirit. Let us not grow tired of doing good. For unless we throw in our hand, the ultimate harvest is assured. Let us then do good to all men as opportunity offers, especially those who belong to the Christian household. These seeds are self-contained powerhouses designed to release what is within them to bless those who are without. It's a vital part of shaping our future. Amen. And how many of you know you can't plant a seed just with good intentions? So what are seeds mentioned in the Bible? Number one, our words are seeds. Mark, the fourth chapter, talks about that in the parable, sowing the word. Number two, our deeds are, are seeds that we, we sow. Galatians 6, 8, for he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Luke 6, 36, therefore be merciful just as your father also is merciful. In other words, sow so mercy. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you won't be condemned. Forgive. These are seeds, and you will be forgiven. Luke 6, 38, give, and it shall be given to you. What? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. Which brings us to the third type of seed mentioned in the Bible, which is our material resource. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You choose. Are you going to plant a seed? You're going to plant a handful of seed. How about planting a shovel full of seed? How about bringing in a wheelbarrow full of seed? God is not mocked. This is a principle. God is not mocked. It's a principle. It's at work whether you necessarily believe it or not. It's in the earth. And as long as the earth remains, it will be at work. Why not believe what God says? Plant God kind of seeds and reap a God kind of harvest into your life. You can shape your future with it. The third thing is, of course, material resource again. The seventh verse of 2 Corinthians 9 says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a hilarious giver. You know, I looked into that word cheerful, Alan, a little bit too last year. Just had, uh, you know, drawn to certain things that I've taught for years. God just drew me back into them and I began to meditate on them again. And he showed me what that kind of gratitude is or that cheerfulness in that verse. He said, it's, it's the, the joy of a slave who's been set free. He said, it is the joy of a slave who's had the chains fall off of his neck and off of his hands. He has been set free. Come on, and you and I have been set free. Amen? So these things to consider about seed planting when it comes to shaping, um, still okay, shaping your life. First of all, consider the seed you have. Again, again, wishful thinking won't get this done. And you can only sow what you have. You know, and God gives seed to the sower, so you may need to pray that way with your life. But you may have something as seed, you just don't realize it. And you can plant that. Amen. 
You can always plant an encouraging word in someone's life and reap a great harvest of that. Amen? Don't make it all about stuff. You know, so many, so many more things uh, that we have uh, which are matters of the heart that we could be sowing. So consider the seed that you have. We had a lady one time. She, uh, no, it was a gentleman one time, and he was involved in a, a business that was up and going and uh, getting going, and he was very excited, and he dropped off a check, and the check was made out to the church, and it was for a million dollars. This is the first time we'd ever had a check made out to the church for a million dollars. The only problem was he didn't have a million dollars in the bank. So we said, we found that out, and we said, well, now, what were you doing? He said, well, he said, when I get it, I'll plant. I said, well, just, make, just be clear about this. This is not seed planted until you have something to back it up. Okay. So you may say, Pastor, when I win the lottery, why don't you just plant the dollar you have? Just spend it that way. Okay, I'm starting to meddle a little bit here. Consider the seed you have, number two. Sow so to your future. Sow to where you want to be. The sowing of today's seed is the answer to tomorrow's need and the necessary change you seek for the future. Number three, don't be weary in well-doing. Keep the seed in the ground. How do you do that? By grace through faith. Amen. And, and your seed, whoever, whoever hands your seed in will make the difference. You know, a slingshot in my hand is little more than a toy. But in the hands of a young man who believed God and trusted God, it took down the, the greatest obstacle, the greatest giant before him. It depends on whose hand it's in. A rod in my hand, a little more than just something maybe to hold me up when I walk. Or maybe to beat away some little hindrance. But in the hands of Moses, it could part the Red Sea. So the children of Israel could walk across. Two fish, five loaves in my hand is little more than a few fish sandwiches. But in the hands of Jesus, with the blessing of Jesus, on that giving, it fed 5,000 men plus. It depends on whose hands the seed is in. Amen. Amen. Hurrying right along here. Um, the second force I just want to mention to you has to do with the force of your thoughts or what we think. Um, again, this is a, a real important, uh, and, and since we're all thinking thoughts, even when we don't want to think thoughts, thoughts, we're thinking thoughts. You know, thoughts, are, somebody, said, somebody said it like this, thoughts are like trains. They take us somewhere. They're always taking us somewhere. And I don't think you would ever get on a train without first checking where the train would take you. But a lot of times that's what we do with our thoughts. We're pretty thoughtless when it comes to what we're thinking. Changing what we think can be, again, super unsettling because it changes, actually changes who we are. Because the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And I don't know if you've read all of that verse. It goes like this, for as he thinks within himself, so is he. He will grudgingly say, go ahead and eat all you want. But in his heart, he resents the fact that he has to pay for your meal. That's describing somebody who can go through the motions or can say something temporarily or on an occasion. Okay. But it's what he really thinks in his heart that makes him who he is. 
And if he's on the outside being kind, but on the inside, he's resenting every part that he's doing. That's who he is because of his thinking. And you and I, again, our, our, our lives are taking shape. Our lives are taking shape. Who we are, our futures are taking shape by, by what we think. Paul learned the value of just one thought and its potential to shape the future. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, he said, We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. He said, we capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Did you notice what he said? Every thought. Say that out loud with me. Every, every thought. Paul came to know by revelation the power of a single thought. Psalm 23, which is again well known to the church, um, you know, where, where David, who was a shepherd, reflects on, on God as his shepherd, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd. And he says in what is Psalm 23 to us at one point, he says, he anoints my head with oil. What would happen every summer when the shepherd would take his flock up to the higher places, the plateaus, the tables, he has set a table before me in the presence of my enemies, the tables which were the flat places in the mountains, the high mountains. He had gone before them. He had prepared. He had scouted it for enemies, and he found a safe place and there for them to lay down and be taken care of and to rest on their trek. But he would also take the time to anoint the head of his sheep, heads of his sheep with this special anointing oil. And he would do that to help them stay well because there were, there were certain flies, other insects, uh, small, tiny insects who carried disease. And they would get up into the nostrils, into the nasal cavity of the sheep where they would bore into the skin, uh, the, the soft skin tissue, and there those, the larvae would, would, would be born and birthed. It was so uh, painful to the lambs that many of them would even try to to uh, uh, take their own life. They would beat their heads against rocks. They would even, some of them would, would run off of cliffs just to get relief over what was happening in the heads of those who, who had not had that anointing oil applied or applied yet. Well, I don't know about you. I'll be honest with you. There have been times where I wanted to run off a cliff. There'd be times where I, I wanted to be, I felt like I was beating my head hard against the wall yeah. just to get rid of some of the confusion and the cloudiness that was in my head. But you know, God had something better for me. He had an anointing oil called the Holy Spirit Amen. who would come alongside and give grace and faith to redeem that and save that and heal that and take that horrible thinking away and replace it with good thinking. Amen. And so, so uh, you know, thinking is an important aspect of how our future is being shaped. A couple of things I'd ask, uh, ask you to consider. How often do you really take what you think before Jesus? Say, what do you think about this thought? Number two, I would urge you to practice the exchange, what I call the exchange. All of us have bought things that, you know, didn't fit. We took them home, maybe, or we got them in the mail and we tried them on. They didn't fit. We tried them. They just didn't fit, so we sent them back right? Same needs to happen with our thoughts. There are thoughts that Satan wants you to think or others want, uh, you know, how many of you realize that, that some people have an opinion about you that kind of weird, 
kind of off, off, or maybe not in agreement with what you know God wants for you. Amen. Some of you don't want to raise your hand because you're sitting next to him, but you know it's true. They just think things about you. Their opinion, they have an opinion about you. Listen, it's not what they think about you that's going to shape your life unless you let that issue become your issue. Amen. And if you've got something that's trying to fit into your life and it doesn't fit, rebuke it, cast it down, take on the thought of God. Amen. Amen. Third force is the force of belief. Very quickly with this one. I believe in 2022 that there needs to be, there needs to be, come on, help me, Jesus. There needs to be, um, there needs to be greater value placed on our believing. We know it's important, but I mean, we need to press into this because that believing is huge in you, again, receiving what God has provided for you by grace. We're saved by grace through faith. It has been provided by grace, but it's received by faith. Not one or the other. It's not everything's the grace of God or everything's faith. No, it's grace and faith. We're saved by grace through faith, not of works lest any man should, should boast. So God has made every provision by grace, but it can only be received by faith. Amen. It's number one way that God wants to get things into your life is by you trusting him. Don't make faith a commodity. Don't make it a coin. Don't make it something you barter uh, with God over. It's a surrender of the heart. It's the heart actually becoming one with God in another area of your life. When you and I trust, that's what, what happens. I believe that 2022, we're going to see a real surge in the church, in the church, we're going to see a real surge of trusting God for what is absolutely impossible. And I'm going to say, I don't want to offend anybody. Pastor, if this is offensive to you, tell me between services. I won't do it next service. But unbelief be damned. Fear be damned. Doubt be damned. What the devil is doing, be damned. It's time for us to rise up as the people of God, fueled by surrender and trust to experience heaven on earth. Jesus taught his disciples to pray that way. That's a prayer that can be answered. Jesus, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a prayer that can be answered. I just believe God wants a whole lot more heaven on earth. That we can not only experience ourselves, but hand out. Amen. Very quick, again, very quickly, just uh, Matthew chapter 9, 29 from the Phillips translation. Jesus touched the eyes of these blind men. He said, you have believed and you will not be disappointed. Amen. Matthew 9, 29 in the, in the uh, uh, Passion translation. Then Jesus put his hands over their eyes and said, you will have what your faith expects. Mark 9, 23 from the Message Bible. I love this. This is when the, the father had the demoniac son. He brought him to Jesus. His disciples couldn't cast him out. The religious elite couldn't help this father with his son. Where's Jesus? Jesus comes. And the father begins to talk to him about what's happening, what's going on. And, uh, and, and he says to Jesus, if you can do anything. This is what the Message Bible says in that verse. Jesus said, if there are no ifs among believers, anything can happen. Amen. Amen. Let's be among those believers in 2022. And the last one, just didn't mention, uh, your relationships are shaping your future. Uh, you know, and we're, we love everybody, but who, uh, who comes into the inner circle 
that we, you know, we just give Jesus had that. He's not, he's not being prejudiced. There's just, a, you have a certain circle of people who you really do trust and you let speak into your life. You try to love everybody. Amen. But there's a certain group that shapes your life. Scripture says this, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. On the other hand, it says to create a better return for their work. Two means there is help in weakness. Two means there is warmth and comfort in the cold. Two can defend themselves and be stronger in battle than the one. God is a relational God. He made everything to appropriately touch something else. And that didn't change until sin entered into our, our world. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I would just say, ask God for wisdom when it comes to those relationships. And I would just say this. I, I, again, I believe God just kind of added this to my thinking about relationships uh, this past year as well. He said, he said, work to find people and welcome them into your life who recognize the anointing you carry and respect it. Who recognize the anointing you carry and respect it. You know, Jesus himself could do no mighty works in his own hometown because they just couldn't get over the fact that, you know, they had grown up with him, you know, played in the streets with him, you know, did school snack with them, whatever the case. And now he comes, he comes with this anointing on his life as Redeemer, Messiah. They couldn't grasp it. And as a result, they just couldn't receive what God had for them. And so just as you're processing relationships, kind of add that to your thinking as well. Do these people know that I'm a Christian? Do they care that I'm a Christian? Do they know the anointing on my life or, or how I serve God with my gifts? Or does it even matter to them? It's not going to matter to everybody. But it's going to matter to those that could have the power to shape your life. So be real careful when it comes to that. this help any of you today? Can we, can we stand to our feet just for a minute? We'll pray over, over the word that we... Uh, that we taught. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you as always for the word of God. There's nothing like it. Thank you for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Nothing like it. In a world filled with voices, in a world absolutely filled with words, with false, with fake, with deceptive information and deceiving on the rise. We're so grateful to you, God, that we can come and hear the truth. We thank you that we have heard the truth of your word today. We receive it by faith. And thank you that as we meditate on it, it will indeed have a part in shaping our lives and shaping our futures. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Welcome your pastor again to the platform. Thank you, church family. Amen. Ooh, you can be seated for just a moment.